Okay, I'm going to be reading from Philippians 2, verses 3 to 11. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate that. Uh, well, good morning, church. Um, man, we miss you guys so much. It was great to see everybody, or at least not everybody, but a lot of people last Sunday at the Churro Crawl. Um, so good to see you. But I've just been thinking just again and again that though we are separated by distance, we are united in such a powerful bond, more, something more powerful than anything else in this universe, and that is by the Spirit of God and through the blood of Jesus Christ. We are the family of God, and that uh, there is not time nor distance that separates us in that sense. And so we hold on to that, and we believe that the Spirit is using uh, His Word and this community to even reach out to us, even in this strange time. And so... We love you. We miss you. We cannot wait to be back together. And uh, as we have been saying, just be stay tuned to our Instagram and our Facebook and, of course, our website and the emails just to know when we will be able to gather again. We'll probably be meeting in smaller groups for a season, but uh, be checking out the website and the email for that information so you can be aware of kind of the new rhythms that we're stepping into. Now, speaking of new rhythms, right, a few weeks ago we started a new series that we're calling essential church. And the idea is that at this moment, many of us are despairing and lamenting the loss of what the church had become in the West. You know, when we think about church, we often talk about, oh, are you going to church? Do you go to church? And we we think of the church as a place and not a people. We think about our large gatherings. We think about corporate worship, whatever that might look like in whatever different setting. We think about Sunday school, and maybe even like we look forward to that time to drop off our kids, to get a cup of coffee, and just have a moment of silence, you know, just uh, some respite. And maybe that's just kind of the way that we, we, we've always thought of church. Right now, we are living at this incredible moment with an incredible opportunity to rethink things and to really assess is this what God has intended the church to be? Have we maybe gotten away from God's ideal and, and God's vision for the church? And so that's what we've been wanting to do here at Refuge. We want to ask ourselves questions like, what is the church? And what is essential to the life of the church? And I truly believe, me and the elders, we've been talking, and with the leadership team, we've been praying through this, but we believe that the church can and will go through a necessary renewal process, and that we will come out the other side of this more vibrant and more fruitful. We believe that God is doing a necessary reset 
and purging of his church. And so this isn't the time to unplug from our spirituality. In fact, this is the time for formation. This is the time for discipline. All the spiritual disciplines that we've been talking about over the last three years, it's like, okay, plug it in. Get into that rhythm of seeking the Lord, of being with Jesus, of becoming like Jesus, of doing what he did, of setting time aside to Sabbath and rest. And I'm getting ahead of myself, but this is the idea. This is the time to press into the Lord and ask, Lord, what do you want to do in my life? What do you want to do in your church? And so what we wanted to do here on Sunday mornings is we want to look at the early church and see what was essential to their life. And I think what we find in Acts 2, 42 through 47, we read this a couple weeks ago, is that the church had a liturgy. It had a rule of life. It had a habit and practice. And this is what it was. They devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. That was it. Like when they got together, these were the priorities. These were the things that like, they centered around. And of course, throughout the ages, this has been a constant liturgy of the church. And the manifestation has taken different shapes or forms over uh, time, but it's these four essentials. And we believe by practicing this liturgy and centering our lives on these essentials, we, like the early church, will be able to continually adapt being both flexible and fruitful amidst the constant changes that we're experiencing. Uh, whether that's, you know, whether that's sheltering in place or that's, you know, an phase two or phase three or a new lockdown, whatever that might be. And so we want to consider these things together and see what the Lord might say to us. Now, last week, if you tuned in, we looked at the Apostles' Doctrine, or as I love to call it, the Jesus story. And we saw how it was the framework for understanding the world and the church's place in the world. And it needs to be that for us as well. If we are going to make a liturgy of these four things, then we must take the Jesus story, his incarnation, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, and his promise to come again. We must take that as the story of the world, and we must bring our lives into line with that story. Our hopes, our dreams, our fears, our habits, our desires, all of that into line with the Jesus story. It must become, again, the framework and understanding for how we understand the world and understand our own place in it. And we need to be a community who disciple one another in this story. And we do that by telling and retelling the story of Jesus to ourselves and to one another in order to live it out before the watching world. Now, the next step we come, or the next piece of the liturgy of the early church, was the fellowship or the common life. Now, you think about it, the Jesus story wasn't just something that the church subscribed to intellectually. That wasn't enough to just know the Jesus story. It wasn't enough to just talk about the Jesus story. But for the early church, it was a way of life. Now, we've seen a lot of this in the American Western Evangelical Church. We are, you know, we love theology. We love to learn things. We love to talk about, you know, you just take the example of prayer, right? You do a teaching on prayer, the church is full. You actually have a prayer meeting, nobody comes. (laughs) It's like, there it is right there, right? We love to talk about and learn these things. We are low on practice, But for the early church, they didn't just want to hear the Jesus story. They actually lived the Jesus way of life. 
Now, for some, quite some time at Refuge, we've been talking about our discipleship to Jesus. We've been talking about being with Jesus. We've been talking about becoming like Jesus. We've been talking about doing this in order to do what Jesus did. And I think this idea of the fellowship or the common life in the early church really comes into play with becoming like Jesus. That's what people were doing. Every one of them was seeking to practice the way of Jesus and to conform their life to the pattern of his life. Listen to this. This is what we read from the earliest chapters of Acts, that this community was marked by bearing one another's burdens, making sure that no one lacked anything, that no one considered anything their own. They had everything in common, There wasn't a needy person among them. For as many as had extra, they had land or possessions, they sold it and they gave the proceeds to the apostles and then it was distributed to each as any had need. And of course, the way that they did this was that they modeled their lives after Jesus' own life. I love, I think it's in the ESV translation, but it says that they ate their bread with simplicity of heart. And You know, I think it's been about a year, about a year, maybe a year and a half. I just felt so convicted by the Lord um, that I needed to begin living a life of simplicity. And I've talked to you guys before about all this. Like, you know, the guy that has like two guitars, what does he need? He needs a third guitar, right? The guy that has six guitar pedals, what does he need? He needs a seventh guitar pedal, right? It's like, and we do this with everything, but I, I have this same sickness that you have, discontentment. And it's because I don't immerse myself in the calling that God has put on my life. I'm not actually following the way of Jesus. I'm making my own way in the world. And I'm thinking that I can fulfill myself with stuff. But I love what it says about the early church. They ate their bread with simplicity of heart. And man, I I can't tell you the last year and a half, I have been so full in that sense of just content Because I've just said, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to feed that. Rather, I'm going to find rest in the Lord. I'm going to find my identity in Jesus. I'm going to find my purpose in in following the way of Jesus and living a simple life as he lived. And you see, I mean, you can read it in Acts 2, but this was a dynamic, powerful community to be a part of. Powerful, dynamic community to be a part of. Oh, that God would teach our community, this simplicity and this posture to live our lives like Jesus. Of course, we know Jesus was a servant. Jesus' life was about others. He said of himself in Mark 10, 45, the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Now, you find this in the early church The early church wasn't just satisfied with, again, the Jesus story, but the epistles are filled with talking about Jesus as our example. Since Jesus did this with Peter's talking about it, right? Jesus was persecuted unrighteously. So also you will be persecuted unrighteously. Jesus is your example. There was no deceit in his mouth when he was, you know, yelled at. He didn't yell back. When he was cursed, he didn't curse back. Follow that example. Well, they do this as well. In, in the sense of Jesus' servanthood, Paul the Apostle many times exhorted the churches to live out the way of Jesus. And in one instance, he says this, bear one another's burdens, and in so doing, you fulfill the law of Christ. 
Like, this is it. This is the way of Jesus. This is his law to love one another in this way of bearing each other's burdens. And we just read, uh, Scott read for us, from Philippians 2. Paul, again, exhorting the church to have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he didn't think of equality with God as something to cling to, but instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took upon himself this humble position of humanity and a slave and being Born in human form, or excuse me, being uh, appearing in human form, it says he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Now, the interesting thing about Philippians 2, and one of the reasons why I wanted to look at this passage together, is that most scholars and theologians believe Paul is quoting an already well known hymn among the churches. What that means then is this was a summarized version of the career of Jesus that was organized together for the church to recite again and again to bring about spiritual formation. You think about how we read the Apostles' Creed together. We don't pledge allegiance to the flag when we gather on a Sunday morning together. No, we pledge allegiance to the gospel and to Jesus as our king. We think about this, the early church gathered together and they heard this hymn about the humiliation and servant heartedness of our God. They heard it again and again and again, and what it brought about was spiritual formation in the life of the church. What Paul is essentially saying is, this is how you live as a Christian. You follow this example. This, and actually, this is really interesting. We don't have time to go into it, but when you look at the epistles, there are two things that are highlighted about Jesus. It's his non-violent, non-retaliatory nature when he's persecuted, and it's his servant his, it's his servant nature. These are the things that the epistles are constantly highlighting. Christians, if you are a follower of Jesus, you must follow him in this way. Fascinating. Of course, when I think about the, the servant posture and nature of Jesus, I always go to that scene that took place on the night that he was betrayed. And I think that there's a little play that Paul is doing in Philippians 2 here and that John does in his in his gospel there. But remember that night that he was betrayed, it says Jesus, Jesus, who is the rabbi, Messiah, the king, God incarnate, he gets up from dinner, he clothes himself with a towel and proceeded to wash the feet of his disciples. Jesus picks one of the lowliest, uh, most culturally degrading, humbling acts to show his followers how we are to live. And remember, he says, if I, your you know, your master have done this, then you also ought to do this. Follow my example. So what this means for us, and I'm going to get to the liturgy in just a minute, but it means that service to others is the continual posture of God's people. This is the Jesus way, that we serve one another, that we are are people that proactively, we're looking for opportunities to live out that Jesus way of living, to serve one another We seek out opportunities to make ourselves the servant of all. Now, what would a liturgy then of the Jesus way of life look like? Well, I think that a liturgy of the Jesus way of life is a servant-others-oriented posture in our community and gatherings. You think about usually when we gather together or when you're looking for a church, maybe online, you're church shopping. I hate that term, but... So it is. Your church shopping, what are you looking for? Well, if you're a parent, you're looking for a good children's ministry, right? You're looking for something like, oh, well, you know, hopefully 
my kid's going to be safe here. I don't have to worry, you know, that I'm not going to get them back in one piece or whatever, right? But, you know, we, we really treat the church in some way as this, what's it going to do for me? What's it going to do for my context? What's it going to do for my needs? This was not the way that the early church saw their gatherings. They saw it as an opportunity to serve one another. They saw it as an opportunity to put the life of Jesus on display with one another. So a liturgy of the Jesus way of life is determining that we will have the mind and posture of Christ in our interactions with one another. That this is the way to live. This is it. This is how you do life. You serve others. So that means then when we gather, it's not only about reminding one another, as we were saying last week, about the gospel and the grand narrative of scripture, but it's also living that out toward one another. And of course, this is done in a myriad of ways. But I think first, it takes paying attention. It takes the fact that we, I guess we come to church and we realize, okay, God is meeting my needs. God cares for me. And so I am here not just to get my needs met, though I do have needs, but I am here to meet needs. I'm here to pay attention to others. I'm here to pay attention to what God will say to me. I'm here to pay attention to what God might have me say to others. It's about paying attention. And of course, that only comes because we realize that God has paid attention to us in Christ, paid attention to our plight, to our need for salvation, to our happiness, right? So we must become a people who pay attention. By paying attention, we'll see the opportunities we have to bear one another's burdens and practice the way of Jesus. And I think that brings us back to the the idea of liturgy that we've been saying that liturgy is something that is done by me but it's it's for us it's something that is done by us for us and so then you know think about or envision this if you will what would it look like in our community if each of us determined to have the mind of christ you know what it would look like there would not be a needy person among them just like it says in acts 2 If we all determine I'm going to go with the mind of Christ to serve others, guess what? I'm serving this person and you're serving me. And as you're serving me, someone else is serving you and everyone gets served. Everyone gets taken care of when we all have the mind of Christ. So we, right, it's the liturgical work. It's a work done by me, but it's not about me. It's for you. It's for us. It's for this community. When we all have this mind and posture, it creates a culture of service and grace. It creates a culture of hospitality and generosity. It creates a culture of welcome and acceptance. And of course, it, how, do we, how do we figure it out? It's that question again that we have gone back to again and again for the last couple of years. What would Jesus do if he were me? If Jesus lived my life with both its opportunities and challenges, what would he do? And so the idea then becomes to, that I take my life and I live the way Jesus lived. I take his teachings as my template, my model, my pattern. I practice the way of Jesus as my own life. And so when we begin to do that, maybe that would look like, you know, paying attention, like I said, listening well in conversation in order to understand and serve. That would look like good hospitality, looking to fill people up and bring healing and comfort. It's remembering that like Jesus, we are called to serve rather than be served. And if you don't hear anything else that I say this morning, hear me now. 
What we're talking about is a determination that when I spend time with someone, they go away with a sense of being refreshed, loved, heard, and helped as though they had been spending time with Jesus himself. That's the goal. That's how the church should be living. That we are living so contrary to the way the rest of the world lives. It's like we're interacting with Jesus in our interactions with one another. When I share my burden with you, it was as if Jesus himself were looking me in the eye and listening to my fears, listening to my cares, listening to my heart cries. That's what we're talking about. The common life putting the life of Jesus on display, bearing one another's burdens. If this servant posture of Jesus is a liturgy, a practice, and a habit of our community, it will not only shape our hearts and desires, but it also prepares us for mission. Because as we practice this servant posture with one another, with other followers of Jesus, we'll begin to practice it just, it'll become part of our character. We'll just practice it wherever we go. We'll practice it with those who aren't followers of Jesus, which is what we should be doing anyway. But we should see the community of faith as a place where, right, we practice these things. We, we, we put on habits and, again, liturgies so that we become a people who honor God in the way that we live our lives nine to five, Monday through Saturday. We will begin to see those outside the church as people to be served, as people to be loved, not people to be ignored, judged, or condemned. As I was saying a second ago, as we practice this posture with one another, it trains us. That's the idea. That, and, right, this doesn't come naturally to us. That's why we have to train in it. That's why we have to practice it. That's why we have to, like, put off selfishness and narcissistic habits and say, no, I'm going to determine to love people. I'm going to prepare my heart for the gathering to love people, to listen to people, to serve people, because it's about training. It's training us to see the rest of the world from this position. Again, people to be loved and served, people to be redeemed. I'll close with this. This is from Craig Hovey, his book, To Share in the Body. He says, The church is elected to responsibility, called to be the church to and for the world, not in order to save it, not in order to conquer it, not even in order to transform it, but to serve it, by showing what redeemed human community and culture look like, as modeled by the one whose cultural work led him to the cross. That is what we are being called to do. You know, oftentimes when we're thinking about the world, like, well, what's my posture to be to the world? Oh, you know, I'm, I'm here to save the world, or I'm here to, to conquer the world, and, and, and you know, in Assert the kingdom of heaven in people's lives, you know, whether they like it or not, or I'm here to transform culture. Actually, no. No, I'm here to serve it 
in the way that Jesus served it. And you know what's fascinating about this? By serving it, God often brings the rest with it. He transforms. He conquers the hearts and lives of people. He brings them into his kingdom. He saves them. And so church, let us put on this liturgy, this habit, this practice of the way of Jesus, the servant posture of Jesus as we gather together, as we regather together. And I would just encourage you this week, uh, Scott said this earlier, but I would encourage you as you're going about your week, is if the, the Spirit of God brings someone to mind, reach out to that person. Find out what's going on in their lives, what, what they're carrying, what their burdens are, what their needs are, and seek to bear those burdens. God will provide. He will give you the means, whether that is the, you know, the mental ability, the emotional ability, the financial ability to step into those things. But I encourage you, reach out and practice this way of Jesus this week. Make this a habit of your life. Church, this is the liturgy that we're called to. For us to do this for one another, a work that's done by me for us. So Holy Spirit, we pray that you would lead our hearts back to you. Lord, we're not just gathered together. We're not just online this morning just to hear something encouraging or something helpful to our life to make it easier. We're here to be transformed. Lord, we're tuning in because we want to be like Jesus. We want to be people of God. We want to be people whose lives have been transformed from the inside out. And so, Lord, would you do that? Lord, transform our minds, Lord, through the work of our hands for where our feet go. By the way we spend our money, our time, our resources, Lord, that as we practice this way of Jesus, our hearts and our minds would be transformed more and more to bear his image and then to show that image to unredeemed humanity. This is who our God is. This is who our King is. So Holy Spirit, do that this morning. We pray this in your name. Amen.